Amen. Good morning, Journey Church. How are you? Excited to be here? Good. We're excited that you are here, and um, thank you for being here out of all the places you could be. Um, we value that you're here, and we believe that God wants to speak to you. Amen? Good. Um, I got my little scooter up here. I've been out of work for about a month, and I'll probably be out of work for about another month. So um, after the service, I'll be giving rides in the parking lot to your kids. $20 a pop. It'll be fun. If you're asking, why is Micah preaching today? That's a good question. If you're asking, why is Micah preaching and he has a broken foot? That's a good question, too, and I'd advise you to ask Jim that when he gets back. <laughs> why, why, did you, why is Micah on stage with a broken foot? Let's see what he says. So I'll just tell you the story of what happened. Um, I'm in construction, and I am on ladders all the time. And I simply didn't fall off the ladder because I know how to climb ladders, and that's not what happened. I'm building my garage at my house, and I'm up on my ladder, and I knew that the ladder was faulty, but I've been getting around it. And uh, so I get up, and I was, it was funny, because that day I had plans to throw my ladder in the trash. It's a 10-foot ladder, because we had a big roll-off in the, in the neighborhood. I was like, well, today I'm going to get rid of my ladder and buy a new one. And I'm almost done with my work. I was framing a garage, 12-foot high walls. And uh, so I get up real quick to do my last couple screws it's metal studs, and um, all of a sudden, it's like the ladder just disappeared. The leg broke on the ladder, and I just, I grabbed one of the metal studs on my way down, and I landed on my left foot, and I broke my heel bone in three places. And I um, sliced my finger on the way down, holding on to the metal uh, stud. So that's, that's what happened. Um, you can ask my wife about how she responded to it. There's first responders, and then there's like reluctant last responders, and that's what my wife is. She heard me go down, she heard this thud, and she heard me rolling on the ground, and about 16 hours passed, I almost bled out before uh, she, she actually called a neighbor, and the neighbor came to, to help me out before my wife did. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so that's what happened. I had surgery about a month ago, and I'm hoping to be walking or be walking by Christmas and hoping for a full recovery. Um, so I had, a, you know, they put um, a metal plate on my heel bone, and they put lag screws in it, six lag screws, and it's, you know, it's not too pleasant. Um, and then they put me in a cast, and then I think two weeks after the surgery, Two weeks after the surgery, I had the cast removed. Finally had the cast removed, and, <clears throat> you know, the foot doesn't look good. It's just a, it's, it doesn't look nice. But I'm in bed that night, and I finally had, uh, you know, was enjoying not having the cast on. And I looked at my two legs, and I kind of brought them up and looked at them in my bed. And my right leg, I broke my left heel. But my right leg, you know, it just, it looks like, the leg of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just, just muscles and, and, and veins popping out, and you know, that's just what it is. And then my left leg, it, it's, it looked like, it not only did it look like the, the leg of a 
middle-aged man who's overweight and out of shape, but instead looked like the leg of like a nine-year-old malnutrition girl, you know, it was just like really, really small and weak, and I'm sorry if there's any nine-year-old girls in here, but you'd have to be malnourished to be offended by that. I don't, I don't think we have any malnourished girls in here. But the contrast between my right leg and my left leg was, was like, wow. In only three weeks, it had been three weeks I had not used my left leg, and my calf muscle was completely smaller and, and just didn't look good. And that's, that's uh, you guys know this, a lot of you have probably had broken bones and had a cast removed, and you see that once you take the cast off and you haven't been using it, that your, um, your muscles had, have atrophied. And atrophy is just real easy. It's to gradually decline in, infecti- uh, in effectiveness or rigor due to underuse or neglect. So you're, you're, you're just not using those muscles, and they literally shrink, um, and to what degree depends, but they can all, almost become useless. And so I tell you this story um, because the verses that we're looking at today Uh, there's a real danger that the Christian life, that you can become atrophied in your faith. I can become atrophied in my faith, and if if that's true of me and you, then it's true of our church. Churches can become atrophied. They can become useless. They can become ineffective. They can become weak because they're not being used. So my purpose today is that um, we would understand the possibility that spiritual atrophy is real and that we would understand how to avoid it by muscle memory. So the, the sermon title today is uh, Spiritual Atrophy and Muscle Memory. And if you're just join us, joining us, we are in the book um, of 2 Peter, and we've been going through that, and we're going to continue that today. But just as a reminder, the book of 1 Peter, Peter really deals with, um, with dangers to the church that happened from the outside. Persecution, uh, a lion that seeks to destroy us, culture that is contrary to, the, to, uh, to godliness. It, it talks about this persecution that comes from the outside. And the book of 2 Peter is, is almost the opposite. It talks about um, persecution or dangers that arrive uh, within the church. False teachers, uh, false teachings as, as, as uh, far as heresy goes, and also um, not only inside the church, but inside our hearts and inside our, inside our mind as well. This danger of become, becoming ineffective and useless isn't from the outside, but it's from the inside. And so that's what we're dealing with today. So let me, um, would you pray with me as we open up God's word. Lord, thank you for um, this morning. Thank you for every person here. Thank you for your great love and grace that you have showed to us, that you do show to us, and that you will continue to show to us. And um, please speak to us this morning. May your word reside in our heart. And uh, we love you, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So open your Bibles to first, um, Second Peter chapter 1. And we're going to, our verses today are verses 8 and 9, but to understand that, we're going to back it up to verse 5. Uh, Jim taught on these verses last week. Peter talks about adding all these virtues to our faith. So verse 5, he says, For this very reason, 
make every effort, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Jim taught on these last week and he, he unwrapped these, but just a quick note, it begins with faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. That's the very beginning of our walk with God is faith. And it ends, and he, he adds all these things to it, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, uh, godliness, all these things, and then he, he ends it with love. Begins with faith and ends with love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul says that all these, all these good gifts, but faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Galatians 5.14, Paul states that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one commandment, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, Jesus even says, hey, out of all of the, the 613 laws, they're all summed up by loving God and loving others. Love is the fulfillment. And then we continue in verse 8, and it says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. For if you possess these things, one translation says, For if these qualities possess you, they're in your heart. They're, the Greek, in the Greek, it means that are these, are these qualities actually in you? Do they reside in you? Do they possess you? If they possess you, they will, and they're abounding in increasing measure, they're, they're almost overflowing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. The word ineffective means uh, to be idle and inactive. The New American Standard Bible renders this word as useless. The word unproductive can be translated as unfruitful or barren or profitless. Unproductive. And essentially, the definition of what this is is, is really atrophy. They're, they're unproductive. They're, they're not being used. Um, they're in some situations are even useless. To, again, the, the definition of atrophy is to gradually decline in, in effectiveness or vigor due to underuse or neglect. Okay, so if you possess these qualities in increasing, me increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge, the Greek word for this word knowledge is um, epinosis. And the word for knowledge in Greek is gnosis. That's where we get the word gnosis. Um, and that means to just to know, have, have, a, have a working knowledge of something. But this word is what Jim likes to talk about, make the distinguish. The, um, to distinguish it is this is epinosis. Epi means that which is above and beyond, which is uh, superior, above. This is epinosis. This is um, not just a knowledge, but it's a, it's a relationship knowledge. A lot of you... Some of you in this room might have known my father who passed away a couple years ago. And you could say he was a good man, and thankfully he was. And some of you could even tell, tell me um, 
you know, what he did for work and how he treated his family. And you have this knowledge of my father, and that's gnosis. But I have a special relationship to my father. I have epinosis. I know my father. I know a lot more than you do because it's an experiential relationship knowledge. It's knowledge based on relationship and time. And, um, and I have that of my father. Likewise, many people have a, have a knowledge of who Jesus is. But it's God's heart that we would grow in that knowledge where it would just not be a, a knowledge, but it would be an epinosis. It would be that which is it's far superior than just re- saying the facts, but it would be based on relationship. If these qualities possess us, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge, the epinosis of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's heart is that we know him and his son Jesus in a way that the world doesn't know. Peter continues in in verse 9, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. And the, the word nearsighted is to, can, even means to, can even mean to shut the eyes, to dimly see. And check this out, it's defined as this, to only see what is near to you. Unable to see things clearly unless they are relatively close to your eyes. I, I think that's neat. That's, that's um, a sign of uh, spiritual immaturity. To only see things that are right in front of our face. If God's like speaking to us with the megaphone and, and showing us things right in front of our face, that's good, we, we see that. But God's heart is that we have better eyesight than just seeing the things that are right in front of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul speaks about this. And he's kind of speaking of just growing old and, and, and persecution and, and it's not that fun. And so he says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Like Paul wanted us to see things that are are eternal. Things that we can't even see with our physical eyes, the eyes of our hearts. He wants to see things that are eternal, things that we can't see. That's the kind of eyesight we should have. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 13, also speaks of having this eyesight. And he speaks of Abel giving this this offering that God acknowledged. He speaks of Enoch being taken up. He speaks of Noah. He speaks of Abraham and Sarah trusting God. And he says this in verse 13 of chapter 11. He says, these all died in faith. Okay? They died in faith and they Uh, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them and they embraced them. These people died uh, not really uh, fully receiving the promises of God, but they saw them really, really far away. And their lives reflected that. They saw them from afar off and they were assured of the promises that God made and they embraced them. Amen? Look at the very beginning of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. What has God given us? He's given us promises by which we can escape the world. 
by which we can live and we can partake in this divine nature that God has given us. He's given us promises, and those promises are sometimes hard to see, and I might say they are always hard to see because it takes faith. And so he doesn't want us to just see things that are directly in front of us and be nearsighted, but he wants us to see things from a distance and to grab onto those promises and to, and to embrace them like these people did in the book of Hebrews. And then after nearsightedness, if that, if that goes any further, then it just becomes blindness and this, this total blindness. And there's, there's uh, you know, reasons. There's different reasons why Christians, why me and you have the possibility of becoming nearsighted and blind in our walk with God. Uh, you know, fear, uh, straight up, sin, uh, a lot of things, but, but Peter says um, this nearsightedness and this blindness is a result of your mind. It's a result of what's going on in your mind. And so he says in verse 9, I'll read the whole verse, but whoever does not have these qualities is nearsighted and blind, forgetting, look at that word forget, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. The word forgetting can even mean oblivious oblivious to the fact that Christ has forgiven us of our sins. And if our sins or our failures, and more importantly, if, if, if God's grace and forgiveness of them is not in our eyesight, if it's not in our spiritual eyesight, it's not going to be in our mind. So quite literally, this is out of sight, out of mind. If Christ's work in our lives is not forefront in our minds, it's not going to be in our mind. And so Peter knew that the promises that he gave us in verse 4, that God has given us in, in, the, in I think, verse 4, but in the beginning of chapter 1, he, he knew that these are, um, that we can be, we can forget them. And so he wrote, why did, why, did first, why did Peter write his letters? Do you guys know why? Why did the Holy Spirit write these books through Peter? He wrote them to jog our memory. Look at this. Turn, in your, if you're in, your, in your Bible, look at chapter 3, verse 1. He explicitly says why he writes this book. Dear friends, this is uh, now my second letter to you. I have written both letters. I've written uh, both of them as re what? As reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. He wrote these letters to simply remind you. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. And this is interesting. He's speaking of scoffers who scoff at God in the last days. Hey, Jesus has said uh, he's going to be coming back and he's still not coming. What gives? How does Peter define them? But they have deliberately forgotten that long ago, God's, by God's words, the heavens came into being. Chapter 3, verse 8 he writes this, do not forget, he's talking to us, do not forget, dear friends, that with one day the Lord, with one day, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. Look at, um, I'm just running through these verses real, real quickly, but look at chapter 1, verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things. Verse 13, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I am I'm in this tent, in this body. Verse 15 of chapter 1. 
I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. In a very short letter of 2 Peter, six times Peter says, Hello, listen, I'm reminding you, I'm writing this letter. The Holy Spirit is, is moving in and through me, writing this letter for the simple thing of this. Remember that God has spoken in the beginning. Remember the promises that he has made. Remember. It's almost like muscle memory. Keep on thinking about it. Keep on doing these things. The remedy for something being out of our mind is real simple. It's simply to put it back into our minds. The definition of muscle memory is this. The ability to reproduce a particular movement without conscious thought acquired as a result of frequent repetition of that movement. Right? Most people, most of us don't have to think to walk by age four or five or however we start walking in a very short time period we just walk. And guess what? I can't do that now because of my atrophy of my leg. But every day I'm working it out. I'm moving my, I'm, I'm, when I first even got my cast off and I had the ability to move it, it was like I was using, harnessing my mental powers. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was really thinking about it. Really thinking about it. But a healthy person doesn't have to do that, Right? They don't even think about it because it's just natural. That's what they do all the time. These qualities in, in that, that we're reading about uh, um, godliness, brotherly love, knowledge, it's good sometimes to pray for those things into our life. I've, I've done that actually before in, in my life. I've prayed for uh, particular attributes of God to be in my life. And uh, amazingly and supernaturally, some of those things happened. And it was, it was really cool. I had people confirm that. It was neat. So that's good. And we should do that. But I think God wants us, I think those things that we read about in verses five, uh, 5, 6, and 7, those attributes should be something that we are so used to working out, that we, are, um, we, we do it so frequently we love each other so frequently. We serve each other. We add to our knowledge, faith, and we're building up so much so that we're not even thinking about it. Amen? It's muscle memory. We are uh, God's grace and forgiveness that he has shown us is, is in the forefront of our mind so much that those things are naturally happening in our lives. I think that's the place that God wants us to be at. Amen? And I know at times it's hard, and um, I know, I understand, I, I, I know full well. But the bottom line is this, remembering God's grace in our past gives life, gives life in our present and our future. Remembering God's grace in our past gives life in our present and future. I've said this before, and I'll wholeheartedly say it again. I need Christ more today than I did 23 years ago when I accepted him. I don't know if you, I don't know if you even believe me when I say that. But it's true. And I think if you're honest with yourself, no matter how long you might have been walking with the Lord, no matter how long you experienced his grace, 
You can say, Lord, I need your grace in my life today, now. I'm prone to wonder, God, Lord, I, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Those are true, those, those sentiments are true. But God, and, and that's the thing, continually, continually remembering what God has done in our life so that it gives us, gives us life today and in the future. And if you, if you have never experienced the grace of laying down your burdens at the, at the foot of the cross, you've never experienced um, this forgiveness and this guilt that we can lose by, by asking Jesus to forgive us, I would ask that you would do that now, whether you're, you're here in this room, I don't know who you came with, with a friend or your whatever, or if you're watching online, you've never done that, I plead with you that you would um, accept the forgiveness that can only come from Christ. Amen? And if you're in here and you've been walking with the Lord for some time, that we would understand that there's a danger of becoming ineffective and useless. And what a horrible thing. What a horrible thing to become nearsighted and blind to the point where it's like, eh, there's, there's really no need for you. Could you imagine like going to your boss and your boss says, hey, we're going we're gonna to get rid of you. Why? Yeah, you're just not, you're not doing anything. Like you don't do anything. I mean, that's hardcore. And there's a possibility that, that we forget God's grace to, to such an extent that we're not exercising these gifts that he has given us and we're not thinking about the promises that God has given us and, we haven't, and we've kind of forgotten that he's forgiven us of our past. And, and as a member of this church, I, lo- I love this church, it's a good church. I'm proud of this church. We also need to be aware that's po- that it, it's possible. And so let's encourage one another um, that the grace and forgiveness of God would be on the forefront of our minds, especially in this season. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. I think we'll sing a few more songs. I'm going to ride my, uh, maybe I should just do a kickflip off this. And we'll, we'll get going. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you uh, for your, again, for your word. Thank you that you have given us promises. And Lord, help us to, um, Lord, it's, it's, real, it's pretty simple. Father, we want to be people whose mind is filled with, with your grace and your goodness. So I pray that you would do that work in my life. I pray that you would do that work in the lives of the people here. Lord, may we be a body and a church um, that glorifies you um, in a, a place where you are exalted. So thank you again for this time. We give thanks and we continue to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.